0: Inside the Green Room, my co-host, Harrison Sanford, brought to you by Jack in the Box. And today marks the two-year mark of us having Inside the Green Room. Um, man, it's been a hell of a journey. Um, a lot of fun, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of city changing. We started in a classroom in New York to Toronto, nice little setup. Now we in L.A. Um, and today we have us joining my main man, Swish, J.R. Smith, a.k.a. Swish. Uh, legendary shooter, man. You know, obviously been in the league for a long time. Glad to have him back in the league, and not only back in the league, but on my team, so I can learn a lot from him as well. We've always been, like I said, growing up since high school, we've always played against each other from afar. We've always um, you know, had some rivalries here and there and always respect each other from afar. We finally get a chance to, to link up and play together for once uh, throughout the last you know, 15, 20 years You know what I'm saying of playing basketball, so it's been kind of crazy. Wow. Harris, do yeah, Danny,
1: you make a good point there about uh, the connection that you have with Jr. And that's something that we're going to talk about as well. Uh, we're going to talk about J.R., uh, the absence that he had in the league and now the role that he can play on the team. Uh, and to your point that you previously made, uh, yes, thank you to all the fans uh, who've been subscribing, rating, and reviewing uh, for us over the past two years. It's been a good journey. Uh, when I saw you play basketball in high school and I used to cover you, I did not think that, what, 14, 15 years later, we'd actually be doing the show together. Uh, so it's kind of cool that we've gotten to this point. Uh, but now what we do, we interview teammates, we interview other players in the league. And so let's get to J.R. Smith. Uh, first and foremost, you guys are in the bubble. What are you guys liking the most about the experience? or something, experience that's kind of caught you off guard. I know you get to play basketball again, which is a great thing. But is there anything else about the experience that's kind of been a pleasant surprise?
2: Um, for me, it's... Uh... Seeing familiar faces, uh, you know, like uh, Danny and I've been playing, uh, you know, against each other for like 20 years, uh, pretty much. So, you know, being able to, fortunately, I'm on his team, but being able to see guys like, you know, Marvin Williams and being on a team with Dwight and Rondo, and uh, seeing guys like uh, Corey Brewer and you know, guys I grew up with, pretty much throughout my high school days and uh it's kind of like being like a five star or a, a big ass five star or, or abcd camp type situation but we you know you kind of accustomed to it, you're used to so it's not really that different for us uh i was i would say obviously it's much more upscale we get better it's better food and better living conditions than five star was but um it's dope um i mean so far so good i'm having fun
0: yeah. Also, we uh, said I didn't expect them to have um, as many, I guess, amenities that they have here. I would say they're doing a good job of going above and beyond to make us comfortable. Um, but obviously, JR, you know, he's a big golfer, so they give you opportunity to play golf. You know, we get guys, so I guess, fishing, bike riding. Um, I guess they have like a bowling arcade set up. Um, I haven't got a chance to check out the players' lounge yet, but I'm gonna check it out um, one of these days soon. Uh, but they give you opportunity, you know, to you know, not just play the game and have fun and be with your team, but also get away from it and relax on the sense of, you know, go out and fish and and play golf, uh, which has been pretty cool.
1: I'm sure you guys have seen there's a bunch of hype on Twitter and a bunch of interest in what you guys are eating. Mm -hmm. Real quick, JR, then Danny will follow up. Best item on the quarantine
2: bubble menu? (laughs) On a quarantine bubble menu? Like from the league or from, like, outside? I seen your uh, I G
1: live and I remember you would read down the menu that first night and you you were you were it seemed like you were excited about the creme brulee, Did you taste that or was nah, I ain't that? I did get the
2: creme brulee, I got the um I got the New York strip though. That's really fire. I ain't gonna hold you the New York strip is fire. Uh the chicken fingers and fries is fire, We get you can get those dinner anywhere out here though. Um what else is, like, specific, though? It's a spot. It's a breakfast spot, though, on the water. And we got quiet, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's <late laughs>
0: this
2: morning. That shit was rocking.
0: Yeah, I-, I wake up just for that because every other breakfast. The one thing that I doubted here, the dinner's always been solid. Um, and our team usually take care of us sometimes. Sometimes we'll eat some uh, Morton's or Del Frisco's or, you know, Joe's Crab Shack. Uh, but also there's a menu here. Um, so, dinner's been consistently solid, and the league is with some decent meals for dinner and lunch. It's kind of uh breakfast, though. When we go down there for breakfast, that's been the shaky part. So, Ramos, uh, Randy, uh, Mims is he's uh, obviously, bronze right hand. He's the one that put me on. So, a shout out to him for finding the spot, breakfast spot. They serve some really good breakfast and pancakes. He knows I'm a big pancake guy, but I think it's called Three Bridges, and it's like right in the middle of the water. It kind of floats. He goes, a restaurant's floating in the middle of the water. You need to go there, they got the pancakes for you. So that's the spot for breakfast. But the menu's been solid, Man, they got a lot of good options. It's, I think it's the, the difference is the presentation of it. So everything comes in like containers, and everybody's like, uh, could you get them heated up in the microwave or refrigerated? It. So it's, it's a little different than eating it on a plate. It doesn't look as nice, but the food is good. It's solid. I can't complain at all. Um, I had a time where I was out the league. I remember what it was like. Um, how did the change affect you mentally? Um, especially because we know skill wasn't the, the issue. Um, you know what were some of the things that you were going through mentally and emotionally, um, knowing that you had the skill to be in the league?
2: Oh, I mean, just mentally, I was in a a state of just straight depression. You know, I couldn't play the game that I love at the highest level that I'm accustomed to playing. Like being on the outside looking in, like I never, um, I've never been without the game of basketball. You know. And especially when it comes to a point where you're not hurt or you're not you know suspended or anything like that so it's just nobody and nobody in the fact that nobody wants you and not the fact that you're not talented enough and it's just like nobody wants you because of the quote-unquote type of person you are but other than other than one stint everybody like everywhere I've been everybody quote-unquote Loves me, I'm a great guy. Show them, you know, who I really am. And it's just, you know, that one bad apple that just carries you. Sure. It's, it's unfortunate, but, you know, it just is what it is. And But at the time, I was going through it because I would see guys and work out against guys and play guys and it GMs, coaches, and everything. And you know flat out, I just dug this kid in, the, in your whole workout that you just came to come see, and just walk out the gym with no nothing. Like you can't, you don't think twice to call. You know what? We got to. I got to call the GM, man. Listen, we yeah. we got it. You know what I'm saying? And it's just when you when you don't, you can't even get that. That's when you just feel like you hit rock bottom because it's just like no matter what, you just you're not good enough. And and it's not, again, it's not your game is not good enough. You as a person aren't good enough. Yeah. Which is
0: crazy. That's crazy. Because said everybody throughout the league knows what kind of guy you are and what type of person you are. Um, and I said it all it takes is one person to spread a word about one bad incident. And it's crazy how they, they hold that over your head for so long. They look for reasons. Um, instead of trying to put you back in, they look for reasons to kind of keep you out, which is kind of crazy. It's so hard to get back. But congratulations on getting back, man. I'm glad you're back. You know what I'm saying? So when you got the news, um, how did you celebrate, even though it's quarantine?
2: <laughs> um, I was – I celebrated went to the gym. I'm working, <laughs> I was working out with Chris Johnson for, uh, what, eight months, nine months straight. Like, just – Go. I would go home see my kids for for the weekends and for their birthdays and stuff. And then I would come right back to L.A. and be just grinding. T- sometimes two, three times a day. And when I got the call that it was like an actual thing, because I stopped calling them. Like I stopped calling Rich and um, I I started, I just like I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to keep hearing the negative. You know what I'm saying? Oh. Well, the such and such said this, but we're gonna see. You know, then it don't happen, and you call them back, and nothing going on. You following up, following up, and just like, you know what? If it if it do happen, then they just gonna have to call me. You know yeah. What I'm saying?
0: So. Um, yeah, eventually, you just t- was tired of hearing the negative news. So you was like, "Well, I'll hear from them when they when they get some news."
2: Whenever they get ready to, you know, what I mean, to actually do something, then
0: that's. You, were you at a point where you almost gave up?
2: Yeah, for sure. Because it was like I'm, I'm spending all this time on my love of the game and my passion. Am I giving up this time to spend with my kids? You know what I'm saying? Because I got four little girls, and obviously, you know, men, especially African American men, are very impactful in you know our kids' lives, especially girls. So it's like, am I being selfish? You know, and it's not like I need the money. We don't. We obviously made enough money and everything else. But then it was to the point to where my daughter was like, no, daddy, I want to see you play again. And I was like, that was the one thing I needed to hear to just be like, oh, no, that's it.
0: That's dope, man. That's dope. So it's crazy that you speak of that because the next question I'm about to ask you, you finally you out of league for so long and you finally get the call. Um, And then they tell you you got to leave your family for three months, (laughs) possibly three months. Um, Was there any doubt in your mind, like, you know, maybe I should sit this one out or maybe I'm saying wait till next season or um, you know was any doubt that you were like, you know, maybe this isn't the right situation to me leaving my my daughters at this moment?
2: No, um, for me, because I know that. Their mother is unbelievable. And we have a great, my, my my parents are around. We have a great support system with that. Um, and with, especially with FaceTime and technology. And uh, I mean, my 11, my two 11 year olds, they're probably, you know, they're probably, they're not going to miss it. I don't think, you know, it's three months. So yeah. they, my two and three year old, they'll never, they won't remember it. So it's not like a, I don't think it's that bad for, like, as far as the family. One thing I was thinking it wasn't going to happen more because of the social issues mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but, you know, obviously it didn't. So it
0: was just, I don't know. When you're able to bring the family, are you going to bring them in?
2: Uh, my oldest daughter wants to come, but sh- I don't I don't think so because it's like, once they told us, once they had, they had we had that meeting a day and it was telling us how much the quarantine, how many days and stuff like that. I don't think my, uh, I don't think my daughter could do it. For sure. And I, and also, I am still
0: I have been meaning to ask the league and ask questions because it, it doesn't really make sense for you to bring anybody outside of, like, your significant other. Uh, because I right. would think that your family are able to attend the games. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they would just be here just with you and locked up in a room to see you. The only person to really make that sacrifice to be locked in a room is probably your wife, girlfriend, you know, et cetera. You know, right. Bring kids, your dad, pops, and, and moms in them for rooms that you have to pay for and, you know what I'm saying, to cover everything they're doing, um, it doesn't really make sense to bring them to not be able to watch or attend games. I may be incorrect on that, but I'm still circling back to figure out what the information is on people and family attending games when they do come. So,
2: Yeah. And it's like, what's the activities for the kids? What what are we going to have for the kids to come? I mean, I got four, you know, I would get, I got two babies and then I got two big girls. It was like, what are they, what are they gonna do? They're gonna ride a bike in the, this little circle and call it lovely. Like they, that's not that's good, not good enough for kids. Believe it or not. Yeah, a little it's iPad pretty- and all that. That should get boring for them yeah. too. You know?
0: <laughs> Especially because girls don't really play video games as much. I don't know if yours do, but they only have, all they have is the arcade yeah. game for the kids, and that, and it's it's decent, but it's you know it's right. not the, the, the like a jungle gym or a bunch of stuff they can do. It's just a small little area with some
2: games on it, but. At the end of the day, it's just not its not a kid, kid-friendly kid environment. And it's nobody's fault. It's just, you know, it is what it is. We're here to play the games and, you know. For but, sure. Again, like I said, the only thing others and other than that and, you know, maybe somebody's brothers or something like that. It's too much, you know. But not enough. I don't think it's enough reasoning for, you know, for it right now. Yeah.
1: J.R., you alluded to it, uh, the conversations you had with Rich Paul from Clutch about not wanting to hear bad news. So back in January, when you had that workout for the Lakers, it seemed as if they could go two routes and go with somebody who's seen as more of a playmaker like Deion Waiters or somebody like yourself who's more known as a 3 and D type of player. When you went into that workout and and you found out that you didn't get the opportunity, can you describe your emotions there? Because... You as a smart basketball player, you I'm sure you can identify maybe where the Lakers needed more help versus another side. Or were you just regardless of the situation, you had a chance to work out for the team and you wanted that opportunity and, and you were impacted by that?
2: Um, I I was definitely impacted by that, but more than anything for me it was just like people like people don't really know my game. You know, they still just put me in the boxes of a catch and shoot person and just plays defense. I mean, I've been creating plays. You know, if you really watch me play, it's not like I just sit there and shoot threes. I drive to the paint. I kick and get people open. I create plays. It's not just just you know trying to shoot step back jumpers and tough shots. Is that the highlights that you see? Yeah, hundred percent. But just the, what I do isn't glorified because I got a hell of. I've been playing the last four. Well, pretty much my whole career, I've had a a hell of a man in front of me who could do a hell of a lot more shit that the people want to see. So you don't really get to see that, you know. So it's fine. I mean, I I fill into my role, and that's whatever, you know, whatever that is to be. But if the team isn't, you know, if the team feel like they want to get a playmaker who somebody – like a Dion and that's, that's cool. You know what I'm saying? But I don't take it, I don't, I don't take it personal as a, uh, as a player. It's just, I take it personal more of the state of that label as a player. Like I don't want to like the, being a label, just a three and D guy is just something that's always, being, being a label always irritated me anyway. Like, he, he can only shoot threes. He only wants to score. He can't play defense. He can't handle the ball. Like, any of that is something, you know, motivation for you to go work on your game in the summertime and want to be, get better as a player overall. I've never been in this. I've been in so many situations where I'm in the gym and I see it's like I'll shoot my shots or I'm working out and I'll See coaches or coaches will come over and GMs look like, why are you doing that? Like, because I want to get better at everything. Yeah. Not because you want me to come off and just catch and shoot. I yeah. want to get better at handling the ball. I want to get better at finishing with my left hand at the basket. Regardless, if I, I've told, I've had a coach tell me if you have to finish at the at, at the basket with your left hand, you made the wrong play. <laughs> like, bro, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know what and then it was like oh he doesn't work out It was like no I'll work, I'll come out I'll come and work out all night opposed to sitting here working out with y'all before and after practice sitting there critiquing me not and like making me not want to be here yeah. you know what I'm saying so it was just like okay I'll get little shots up here and there with y'all but other than that I'll come and work on my shit on my own And it's it's
0: it's cool to, to be labeled as something elite like an elite shooter or be in a category that says three and d and we know that's valuable right you know, like, most players don't like to be put in a box and uh, most systems most coaches will put you in a box with the quickness you know what i'm saying and let you, sure. know, you do when we get it that's what we're successful that's what we do we're good at it. that doesn't mean we can't do other things and i know you want us to just do this for our, and we know we need to do for our team but a lot of people don't know that unless they see you playing pickup and sometimes oh, i didn't know you can handle the ball i know you could make plays make decisions right we all want to be known as basketball players in the day, because we all were and are basketball players. At the end of the day, we all played all five positions throughout high school and in college, uh, for those who went. Um, so yeah, So being in the put in the box. that's cool at times, and we understand it's elite. But we're all basketball players in the day, and a lot of people, you know, talk the trash behind a keyboard and saying, "Oh, you can't dribble, you can't do this, you can't do that." But I bet money anybody in this league, even though they're an elite defender or can't shoot, they'll probably outshoot you. You know what I'm saying? If people get sure. on. Ben Simmons, you know, he can't shoot. he probably out anybody, any regular civilian out there. And some other guys, they say, oh, he can't dribble. You ain't going to take the ball from him. These guys are basketball. Just because they're playing against the top in the, in the world don't mean they can't do it. It's usually because the system wants them to do this, do that, and they know their strong points are but Don't get it twisted. Anybody in this league can, can do a, a lot of everything. For for. All right, all right. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This show is brought to you by Jack in the Box. Order your favorites like Jumbo Jacks, Curly Fries, or two tacos all day, every day using their mobile app, drive through or delivery.
1: So, JR, you had this workout with, in, back in January, but you and Dion are both a part of Clutch. So I'm yeah. wondering, after the workout's over, do you have, a, you, obviously you guys were tied to a three-team trade back in the day that brought you to Cleveland. Uh, do you talk to him after? Do you text him? Do you have a relationship with him so, like, therefore you can congratulate him or he reaches out to you? Was there any type of communication
2: after that? No, nah, I don't really like. Like, I never really, I, I never really knew Dion. Like, I like I, I always knew him in passing and stuff like that. But he was like more my around my brother's age, so I knew him from a standpoint of like being one of the young boys. You know what I'm saying? So when I like when he got to the league, it was always it was always love and everything else and respect, obviously. But I never really knew him on a relationship level to, you know, add his number and stuff like that and, you know, text him and stuff like that. But we didn't we didn't cross paths in that sense. But I was definitely happy for him because it was more than anything, I would rather see him in that situation because it, it, it was a good fit for him. You know what I'm saying? It's it just uh, overall, regardless if it was me or him, it would be a good fit for him. And I'm, Ron is my man, so I don't want him to fail. and just I don't want him to... Oh, they picked him, so I want them to lose. Like, nah, they never gonna be that. We're we're uh,
0: back to what we were talking about before, um, and they always have you and Dion. I guess sometimes the media makes a big deal, sometimes they don't, and they make it as like you guys rivals, um, and they also have a perception of you and Dion, um, and so a lot of times it's it's not in your favor, and we know that. Um, How do you handle that, the commentary, and do you think the perception? Obviously, I don't think it's fair, but question I was, is do you think the perception is fair and how do you handle the commentary of when they're talking about certain instances or certain things?
2: Um, I don't think it's fair because a lot of this, a lot of the stuff they judge us on is like, for one, and not just, not just speaking for me because obviously I had off the court issues and shit too happen for me as an individual, but most of the shit for, for us as athletes, they judge us off of what goes on on the court or on the field, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, you don't even know me, bro. Like, you just going off of what some coach or some GM said that got leaked to the press that'll drop my value so they don't pay me what I'm rightfully supposed to get at the end of the day because that's all all it's about. That's the only reason why drama and bad news comes out because they want to drop your value. Because that's the only stigma behind it. Because if they didn't, then they would obviously give you all the praise and pay you the money that you're supposed to get. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's such a political game with it. It's like, it's messed up, but there's nothing, we're not in a position to change it. So it's like, and for me, and it's it's sad for me because it's, as as ever since I was a young boy, it was always I always had. Vets like yo, just play the game, just play the game. Like bro, I don't know how to play the game. When I see something fucked up, I call it. Like yo, that's fucked up. You're yeah. not going. I don't know how to just like look away and not. You know what I mean? Like I don't. I don't know how to do that. Yeah, you're gonna. You're not gonna bite your tongue. You're gonna speak out with, with what's right, and what's wrong, and how you this, feel. Just the fact is, I don't. My my pops always told me that. He said, you see something wrong, call it out. Because if, if you ain't going to call it out, then everybody's going to think it's okay and they're going to continuously do that shit. And it ain't. It ain't okay. No so.
0: back, uh, back on a, another subject, uh, switching over to the basketball side of it. Um, got a chance to scrimmage today. How would your body feel physically? How would you feel
2: um, out there? Man, I felt great, man. I was just The first, you know, it's always like the first two, three minutes you get winded. Mm-hmm. And, you, know, you catch that second wind, it's over. So. Word.
0: And I saw you, you look at you, look like you was running. I was like, oh, he looks in pretty good shape. So my question to you was, obviously, we had the pandemic, we had quarantine, um, and you had some some time off. How did you keep yourself physically ready, um, you know, to, to for this opportunity, for this moment, to be have a good foundation to where you're not so far behind the eight ball, um, and, you know, have a good
2: foundation of having some conditioning? You know? man, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I, <laughs> I bought a bike, right, and it's like a, it's one of these real fancy <laughs> bikes. It was like it was 11 grand. <laughs> my, mother, my mother cursed me out. Like, you ain't even gonna ride this thing. Blah, blah, blah. You better ride this one. I'm like, all right, man. All right, man. All right, man. So I was already like just running because I had a goal that I keep seeing Ray Allen on Instagram. He's like my inspiration behind all of my workouts and shit. I started running. And I was like, I'm gonna get the five miles. But in the midst of all of that, before I, I can get to five miles, I buy this bike. So I ended up buying the bike, and I was riding. I was literally, I because I live in Hollywood, so I was riding from uh, Hollywood to Santa Monica, Santa Monica to Manhattan Beach, Manhattan Beach, all the way up to the Pacific Palisades, and then back home twice a day. And then between that and then hooping, working out, it was just like, my the weight just shredded off me. You know, I lost like twenty pounds ASAP, and I switched my diet to plant based for like four or five months, and I've just been feeling you know great ever since.
0: Wow, your energy is different. You can tell in your energy with the with the diet
2: for sure. You know awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of I kind of fell off of it a little bit. I got kind of <laughs> a snack room right now. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm trying to get I'm trying to get these cars back because I'm getting pushed around a little bit. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: man, that's what's up though. The bikes are bikes are expensive though, man. I just man. had to buy three bikes. Big shout out to Tori, man. He's been doing the Black Lives Matter bike rides. Uh, right. Been dope. So I did a couple of those, and I just got my bikes too, man. And somebody just got me for them the other day. We bought three of them. Mind you, they were a little cheaper than yours, but <laughs> the cheapest ones are like a stack. You're gonna pay it. At least a stack or two for per bike. So we were they didn't rob they took three bikes out of my garage, man. So five K down the drain, that fast. But biking is good, man. It's a lot of fun. It's dope. Especially if you have a group with you and nice, you know, people around you. Yeah, it's, sure. smooth. it's smooth. It's good on the knees and the bones.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah
1: but big shout out to our mutual friend Tori for those who are listening or watching. It's called uh Bike Rides for Black Lives on Instagram. Just last week, uh, they went from Hollywood to uh venice beach you know, to santa monica pier and then back to hollywood and i believe they'll be doing again in the past, uh, next couple weeks i think big sean was actually there this past week and i know danny was there the first time and usher and terrell owens on top of just the community so get a good workout in and do it for uh, a good cause for sure. sure back bike rides for black lives on instagram sure.
0: but i'm uh, moving into the bigger picture because obviously basketball is great man but there's a, obviously a some more bigger things happening in the world. The bigger picture for us and our families and our communities is the movement, right? So, you know, when the protests were happening in LA, um, you were there, correct? Yeah. And, uh, I got a truth from my house. Yeah, so you were kind of a part of it. So I guess, what, what was it like to be a part of it? Um, and what do you think as a group here, what we can do, like, what can we get done? What can we do? And what kind of accomplishments that we can still keep the movement going um, and helping you know our communities.
2: Um, I mean, it was a, it was an unbelievable experience, man. Um, actually, peacefully protesting and feeling like your voice is heard with a group who all feel very passionate about the same goal and same uh, same movement is. It was very, it was very inspiring, and it was very, it was very moving for me, um, because I'm a person who has very little. I didn't grow up like in a, in a, in a, in a church home, so it's not like I, I have a, I have a faith, but it's very different from a lot of people um, who very who who went through that, who go through that as as a childhood. So my faith is different in in what I believe in people, how I believe in people. Um, but it's crazy because I play on a team, and I mean, it's, such a, it's such a team game, so you got to come together. So it's, um, but for me, it's like it's so surreal so because I used to history was my favorite subject growing up in school, and I used to see the Martin Luther Kings, the Malcolm X's, and and uh, the marches, and to actually be a part of it, uh, something like that, or quote unquote, supposedly bigger. Uh, it was, it, it was something I, I would love to tell my grandkids about, but for the movement here, oh, uh, I don't know, I don't know, bro. It's so much, I feel like it's so much we gotta, we got, we can change, there's so much we have to do. Um, I don't know if we have, I just don't know if we can get it done. And my scariest is the scariest thought because at the end of the day, the biggest thing. In our world, the biggest, I think the biggest problem is we have our class issues, our our upper class doesn't care about the middle or lower class. Mm -hmm. So their issues and their problems aren't the same. So when you come to the table and you have these meetings and you have, all of that has to go out the window. And until everyone is willing to do that, that's not going to that's not gonna nothing's gonna change because if you can't sac, if no one can if you can't sacrifice then there's no gonna there's never gonna be a a, a change or an end goal for sure
0: we had Stephen on you had Stephen a on um, a couple of days ago man he, he had some great ideas that he um he wanted me to bring to the table and i when we have a chance to they're supposed to set up where the breakfast spot is with uh three bridges yeah. It's supposed to be a little area for us to be able to go there and discuss different things. But we do have to uh, come united on the front, use our platforms the best we can. The biggest thing is to get everybody and our people and our communities to vote. Um, for in the um, But we can, you know, so we can use our platforms the best of our ability um, and use our resources to help those. it's hard to do it so while we're in a bubble, but we can say so, use our voices. Um,
2: we also have to tell them to, to to locally vote, not just to vote for presidential. We, we have to win the local votes because at the end of the day, the the lo- if we don't win the local votes, then we can't change the fact that our you know our family members or friends are getting 30, 40 years for you know petty crimes that other people aren't doing or getting probation for in other neighborhoods around the world, and you know that's just a part of a piece of the injustice for us so um we have to we we have we must encourage people to locally vote as well sure but
0: i think we can i think we get a, i think we can get some stuff done and i i'm positive right now we have some time we come together as long as we stay united i think we'll be all right i think we can get some uh, get our voices heard news our platforms in the right way and i think a lot of people are staying not losing focus of it not losing sight of it i think is the biggest key because after a while things kind of fade and people lose sight of things but if we keep reiterating like people like Toronto having the Black Lives Matter bus they have the shirts Black Lives Matter um and us can reiterate it in in our interviews and in our platform uh, i think that's the most important thing at this point
2: yeah for keeping the conversation going for sure we we have to take action we have there's something we we have to start moving i like my my one of my things were for one of my thoughts were for, we could have a, you know, I'm pretty sure in Orlando or surrounding area there's a, you know, all-black restaurant that can cater other than, you know, Del Frisco's or something like that that has pretty, you know, good food or something like that that we can help, you know, some type, some type of way to help the community, that towards the community some kind of way, you know, just small things like that is just, you know, it's just so it's beneficial to, you know, people who need it, who need it because I'm pretty sure not, everybody's obviously not doing great. So,
1: you know, guys, the one thing that i makes me happy about what's been happening uh, so far is just the progression of the coverage of the protests and how people are actually protesting. Jr., I remember that first weekend? I believe that was in the Fairfax area because that's the same area where I where I live. Um, yeah. And there was a bunch of craziness happening, a lot of violence, a lot of uh, intensity was happening. And the protests are still going on. They're not covered as much by the media, because nothing bad is happening out of them as much, but they're sure. still going. And where the conversations are continuing. And I continue to see and I think you guys can all attest to this. One of the most encouraging things that you saw in the beginning weekends of those protests was it wasn't just African Americans, it was people of all shades from all backgrounds. So hoping that can continue and uh, hoping that you guys can help move the discussion forward and move actions forward. uh, While you're down there and come up with some legit plans or at least be the voice box for the people who don't have a large enough voice, unfortunately. Uh, But Jr let's talk about uh, go back to 2016. Uh, You win the finals then. What did Mm. that mean to you And, and then Danny if you could and you Jr as well. Can you Envision what a 2020 title would mean for you specifically, JR and Dandy. Follow up.
2: Um, well, 2016, that chip was like for me, I mean, uh, the winning the chip period was, uh, was like. You know, the icing on the cake from making it to the league to having a successful, quote unquote, successful career to, you know, winning the championship. That's always been, you know, the childhood dream since you were a kid, since you picked up the ball. Uh, Going to camps and going, doing all of the, you think, I mean, for me, all of that kind of, you know, rolled back in one because basketball has been obviously surrounded by, you know all of our lives um so i really thought i thought about the camps i thought about how many times i used to go back out in the court and shoot and you know in the dark I used to go play with the older dudes they used to beat me up playing and shit like that my brothers and i used to think about all, i thought of, i literally thought. I had all of that hit me when i when the buzzer hit and then like i thought about my parents how many times you take me to practice and all of that shit and then i Sure enough, I turned around. My mom and my dad running down the stairs, crying and shit. It was just like all of that hit you at one time. You know what I'm saying? It was just the the greatest feeling ever. And then the way we did it, like historic, man. <laughs> yeah, hey, man, it's just like being down three one. It's like I'm not even gonna lie because as a team, we was just like once when we when that buzzer hit hit over and and, and uh, we was down. Three one, walk into that locker room. you looking around the locker room like, yo, this shit is over, bro. Like, you can't tell me you, we about to do nothing. Like, from here, I was looking in their locker. People was like, like, furious. Like, and it was just like, drained. We came back the next day. It was like a whole new vibe. I'm like, oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? It was just literally one day at a time. So when we, then you start thinking about the facet and that you did it. What, like every what you ate, all of that shit. I'm like, Yo, I'm about to mimic this shit for the rest of my life, and then obviously you don't. But <laughs> like it's it was it was it was a whirlwind for me. But the 2020 one, I mean, that's always been the goal to win multiple championships. You you win one, and then you know you try to pull off a you know a Jordan or somebody like that and win multiple championships and Magic and Bird and four, five, six. You know, I mean, when you, when you start. Dreaming, dreaming, You really thinking you, you know, you could live the MJ career or the, the have a career like Magic or somebody like that.
0: Word. And I, I think for me, um, and I'm not going to be selfish or stingy, man, I think I've won plenty, man, so I'm very grateful. Um, but this one I think would mean a lot for the people around me, man. I think um, I would enjoy it more and most for historic moments of doing it for the city of L.A., uh, what they've gone through this past year. And guys like uh, Jr., who's been out of the league and trying to prove himself that he, you know that he belongs here, because we all know he belongs here. Dion, some other guys who never won one. Duds, some guys are great personalities who've been in the league for so long um, that we've been around, respective for so long that never got a chance to experience it. Um, I really wanted for them, and said for the really city, for the city, of LA, man, because of what Kobe and everything going through. David Stern and this pandemic. Um, so it mean a hell of a lot to me. But to be a part of a historic year with. Stuff stuff like this never happens and they'll win in this type of circumstances and also be on the history side of uh, helping Bron win another one. Of course everybody's gonna talk about Bron. A D getting his first one. Um yeah. that'll be special for me to, to you know see those guys to be able to celebrate and enjoy it for um for the guys who've never got a chance to experience it.
2: The White came me and Dwight came in together. So I gotta see <laughs>
0: my boy get one, man. Yeah, for I sure. Get one. For
2: sure. Then you got three, right?
0: I got two, man. Bron took one from me. <laughs> uh, I, uh. Bron took one from me, bro. Uh, it would have been nice to have a third, but I got two. Bron took one from me. Uh, but moving into another another movement, because this is
2: important. I yeah, have three by three, too. <laughs> three by three teams? That's tough. That's nice. so many people can say that. That's it tough.
0: Nice. It would be nice, man. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping, man, we all stay healthy. That would, that would be
1: three for three for LeBron, too, by the way. If, Le- if you guys yeah. win, LeBron would have three by three different teams, well, four, but he would it would be his third team he got a title for. So
0: yeah, but um, pretty nice career, for sure. So
1: let's go back for a little bit. I yes. want to zip back to two thousand.
0: Yes, yeah, the last and... time undisguised man. We're gonna get back to some high school basketball for, for us for, for the <laughs> people. For a bit. Yeah,
1: take it take it back before the world went upside down. <laughs> yeah. So back in two thousand and uh, let's see. Da-da-da-da. I want to make sure i get this right oh yeah so we got oh back in 2004 jr you were going to the mcdonald's all-american game and you were believe i believe you were committed to the university of north carolina you get to the mcdonald's all-american game and you go haywire and next thing you know instead of going to unc you end up going to the draft danny who played in the same new york city new jersey metro area Ends up going to UNC, become a McDonald's All-American the next year, and ends up going to UNC. Yeah. Danny, how much did Jr.'s decision to go off of the McDonald's All-American game and go to high school? How did that impact your decision to end up going to North Carolina?
0: Oh man! Um, first and foremost, Jr. was a killer in high school, bro. I mean, Angie still is, but he do everything. And obviously he was jumping out the gym to him. Like, every time we played St. Thomas players, they used to kill us, man. So. Uh, when he was going off, and I was like, he's going to Carolina. I'm like, I don't think I'll ever make it there. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get recruited. Um, and if I do go, I'll probably never play. Because if, you know, if, he, if he's there, I'm definitely not going to play. I'm going to be behind him on the bench the whole time. But um, luckily, he left and went straight out of high school. So I got an opportunity to get a scholarship offer the next year. Um, but of watching a lot of our, our guys from our area to be able to go off and play and do the things that they were doing and get recruited by top schools um, it was very inspirational, man. It led me to believe like I, I could make an opportunity for myself, or I could, you know, if I do well enough, if I shoot well enough, like JR. If I be able to you know, work on my game and try to jump a little bit higher, I might get the same opportunity. Uh, so I was watching him going up a McDonald's game, and obviously all throughout high school, what he was doing, man. I was like, shit, I gotta, you know, set my game up another level if I want to get to Carolina because this dude is, you know, he's four or five levels above me. I gotta get up at least two, three more levels to get to where I need to go. So it was, it was very inspiring, man, and, and it, it helped me. Um, I guess I say motivated me, you know, to, to, you know, I guess get my, not just my confidence level up, but my game up uh, to the level where it needed to be. All right. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, we had the love doctor on the show recently um, myself, you know, speaking for myself, I, I am okay on the inside of the bubble. My fiance is not here. There are you know, no worries of me staying clean or worrying about kind of you know, keep my date or my significant other happy right now. I have to worry about that for another month or so. Uh, but for you single guys on the outside, please tell me how you're holding up, trying to get dates, trying to stay ready uh, for when the, the time comes.
2: Well,
1: D.G., you know, what's the famous, the famous line? If you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Okay. <laughs> so uh, regardless of the pandemic or not, you got to be prepared with the Manscaped 3.0. Make sure that my environment is nice and clean, for, for lack of a better phrase.
0: I'm glad you're putting that package I gave you uh, to you, good use, brother. You need it. So, fellas, make sure, you know, get your Manscaped now at Manscaped.com. 20% off using the code Green Team. I'm glad you guys are putting those packages to good use. Um, it is vital during this time. I know you guys aren't able to get your haircuts or shave your beards, but you can definitely take care of your bodies. So make sure you sign up or get your next newest product now at Manscaped.com using the code green team uh, back to you guys single guys out there in the bubble take care of the package
1: yeah do you remember do, when you think back to the, that time and you potentially going to UNC do, do you have any
0: regrets yeah, do you, like do,
1: do you wish you kind you, of went back
0: yeah do you think you would have do you not say you regret anything you've done but do you like think about and wish like you could spend one year in college like if you could
2: um nah because <laughs> honestly the only thing i never really liked college basketball honestly like when i was when i was only reason why i wanted to go to carolina because mj went to that was my only that was really realistically my only tie towards because i i really thought my, my my life and my career was going to be mimicked <laughs> after <MJ. laughs> So, I was like, once the, once the, uh, I always wanted to play college football. So, once they told me I couldn't play football, I was just like, I was just kind of like off it. Yeah.
0: Because <laughs> most, most schools wouldn't let you do both. So, most of the schools, that's why you're like, ah, oh, they're not really letting me do what I want when I go to school there. So, it was like,
2: uh, I think Jesse Holly was the last one they let do and, um, Yeah. From Jersey. So, he was like, I was talking to him, he was like, yo, he ain't gonna let you, he was like, nah, bro. I was like, what? Football will let you do basketball. Like, the
0: football coaches will let you play yeah. basketball. Basketball and you play football is less likely. You know what I'm right. saying? So, it, it would have been tough. But, um yeah.
1: DG, before your follow-up question, real quick, mm-hmm. I just want to follow one point that JR made. JR, mm-hmm. when – I know you said you thought you were going to pattern your career after Michael Jordan. I'm sure almost every basketball player did. When did you realize that MJ career arc was not the thing?
2: Uh, my, my rookie year. <laughs> <laughs> first day of training camp when Barbara Scott ran us into the ground I see, oh, man. this oh. is not this is never gonna be that <laughs> uh, <laughs> had, this, uh, I'm never gonna be like Mike
0: <laughs> uh, I had I had coach Scott too I had Byron for uh in Cleveland before they let me go and his his training camp is something else man. Bro. A lot of conditioning. I was probably in the, and I thought I was in, in college. I was in the best shape of my life doing a lot of conditioning. But this – he was on another level with um, the conditioning, man. Like, I, was, I was in great shape. Even though they cut me after that, I was in great shape when I was at home. But, yeah. Bro,
2: we were, we won 18 games my rookie year. When I tell you, no lie, we had training camp-like practices the whole year. <laughs> Oh man. That's the be- whole year, bro. It was like game seventy seven. <laughs> in Sacramento like <laughs> a hard getting tape, running uh easy runs and shit. I'm like, yo, bruh. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: I can imagine. I can imagine, bro. It takes a
2: we got C P and that shit was a wrap.
0: <laughs> yeah. <you> can- <laughs> Slow down a little bit.
2: Slowed it down a little bit.
0: Oh, man. But, um, yeah, so now that so this last couple of topics that we're talking about, talking about the playoffs, um, now that so we're uh, coming close to the playoffs, end of the season, regular season games, and in playoff time, I got a chance. I was a rookie when I played with Bron uh, my first year. I didn't play much even that year. So I got a chance to see him from the sidelines, um, and it was 10 years ago. Uh, but put in perspective, regular season Bron versus playoff Bron, um, for the people um, up close what do you what did you play playing with him for so many years what was the differences that you saw that stood out the most
2: the difference
0: like is the, he is he more locked in he's more intense he don't talk to nobody um no no oh, I, around
2: honestly he the same bro. he's the same person bro <laughs> <laughs> I don't lie to you. He like, he'll start, hell, he will, he will start reading more though. Okay. He will start reading more. He'll get off social media and he'll read. He will do that. But other than that, he's the same person.
0: Still goofing around, still yep. cracking jokes still. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And then, you uh, know, on a court-wise intensity, is a, it's just, he's pretty intense most of the regular season too, but he's he's locked in, locked in. Yeah. For sure. And is he more is he more oh, as a teammate? Is he more holding you more accountable you know what on you saying? Like is he
2: Oh yeah, every possession is every possession is crucial. But it's crazy because every possession is crucial, but he'll still go shoot a one leg, one hand shot off the glass for, for game man, for, for game no. Yeah. Not, not for not not no end of the end of the quarter, end of the half for game. Like bro like bro, you shot that for game like it's one of them highlights. And uh he hit, I think it was against Toronto. Yeah, I just, game three. The one hand joint. If you watch that shit, I just stopped looking at him like bro, you shot that shit for game, bro. Like, You're bugging. Like I'm glad I'm so glad you made it. Because, bro, you are bugging. You know what would happen if I shot that for game? Like, even if I can get a shot off and that yeah. was the shot you took, oh my God. I'm so glad he obviously he's not me, but like, bro, you got Cuts, bro. Yeah. <laughs> that's that was
1: two two thousand eighteen conference semis, I believe, game three versus the Raptors in yeah. Quick
2: Arena. That killed them. I'm not him. Lie, but that's like when he's when I start seeing shit like that and he do like that's that's one of the reasons why you can't like I can have arguments with people when you talk about the greats of all time, like bro, it wasn't nobody doing that. <laughs> I don't like doing that. I seen Mike hitting turnaround jumpers and all that shit for game. Kobe did that shit. Yeah, Uh, Kareem was bad, motherfucker, with that sky hook and all that. But, bro, for game? (laughs) Speaking to it. (laughs) That's tough, bro. I'm sorry. That's tough.
0: Yeah, so I was like, hell no, when he shot it. I was like, oh, he really made that shit. He (laughs) made that
2: shit, like.
0: And and they was done, they was crushed after that. So I was like, yeah, that that broke them. That definitely broke them. I'm
2: thinking he about to go to lane, dunk, or kick off or something. Not that one. (laughs) You (laughs) know, uh, JR, we talked
1: about how the perception of people or the the perception that media might give can give the wrong uh, illusion of what the situation actually is. Uh, you talked earlier about not being afraid to speak your mind and things of that nature. How did you and your relationship with LeBron evolve? And can you describe how it was when you realized that he was approachable, that if he made a mistake on the court, you can call him out for it? Some of the, going back to your days in Cleveland, speaking to some of the people in the coaching staff, they said JR was as vocal as almost everybody else, but you just never knew because the media always portrayed just LeBron as the guy who would talk up. But from my understanding, you didn't have any problem calling him out or Kyrie or Kevin Love when the situation was appropriate.
2: That's it. I mean, for for me and Bron, like I knew Bron since I was 14, he was 15. You know what I'm saying? Playing pickup and all that. So it was always, and people know like when I say someone on the court, it's never personal. Like I never take, like when I'm in in the heat of the game, it's never personal. It's always just, the game, it's always. I'm always locked into the game now. We're gonna fight and all that. We can get to some gangster shit, we're with that, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not like it ain't no, it ain't nothing like I ain't just out here wilding and trying to elbow you and all that. You know, what I'm saying it's just hard play, you know, what mm-hmm. I'm saying so. For me, it was always just it's easy, it's easy to have those conversations instead of just feeling some type of way. Like, I bro, I tell them all the time, like, bro, I'm not about to just keep running to the corner, you're gonna keep doing that. Like, I gotta get moving, I gotta cut and, stand and do something. You got me just standing here, I can't get no rhythm. Like, you, then you, you want me to make a shot, I'm telling you. I just, I don't work like that, bro. Like, no disrespect to you, I understand you, bad motherfucker, but if you want some <laughs> help from me, I need some help from you, Yeah, yeah. it's just a fact.
0: It's hard, it's not easy. You know, people, a lot of people think like, you. oh, you gotta make that shot when you can probably sit for six minutes, ain't touch the basketball,
2: he can run over minutes. down the court, and not touch that bitch for six minutes. Yeah, it's fault. It's just the way of the game. And he going for forty and fifty. I'm not saying he's not killing because he get, he killing. He's definitely really killing.
0: <laughs> but it's not easy. People say, "Oh, you don't make those much." shot you take. Mind you, so you might not have a rhythm. You might not have touched the basketball and You might have dribbled it. If you don't have a feel for the ball, that ball feels like a medicine ball sometimes. Oh, you got to
2: feel for his guard, somebody.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it's different, man. But um, being, being able to speak freely to your teammates is always a great thing, man. I've learned that. Obviously, being in San Antonio, we were able to talk to each other. But, and, but when it came to talking to coaches and pop, it wasn't like that. Pop could always talk to us, but we just had to take criticism, keep it going. Um, was there ever a time where, where you said something to a player or a coach where it came back to haunt you?
2: Um, shit, probably a lot of times. I don't, I don't really know, because I don't really pay attention to that shit, honestly. Like, people be looking at me like, and, and they probably be right, like, I don't really give a fuck about what they thinking, honestly. Yeah. Like, when they get there and whispering and all that shit about me, like, bro, I really don't give a fuck what you talking about. Like, because yeah. honestly, if you had a problem with me and I had a problem with you, I'll come up and tell you I got a problem with you. And then we ain't got to, because that way we ain't got no problem with not speaking. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So now I'm, I could just walk in the room comfortably and not have to speak to you or opposed to just have to speak to you just because. Well, no, we don't, now we're good. We both know what it is, and I can go this way and you can go that way, and I ain't got to worry about something happening to me because if it do, I already know who did it.
0: Is there any time where you said something about somebody's mistake or, like I said, to a coach and you somehow came back or said came back to hunt you in a sense where you might have made that mistake or you were like, oh, give me the ball. I was open for a shot and they probably gave it to you and you, you know what I'm saying, didn't, I guess, come
2: through the way that, that you expected to? Oh, for sure. <laughs> Shit, for sure. I tell them for the past people all the time and I don't make the shot. But <laughs> well, more, more importantly for me is like, my, my main thing, I don't really care about people's shots. Like, and if you just out there now, if you just out there pulling, then that's different. But I, for me, I don't really care about the shot. I care about the other end because at the end of the day, if I know how hard I'm trying on a defensive end, and if I just turn around and you just standing there and your man score or something, or my man, you just let my man score, now we got a problem. Like, bro, now you making me look bad. Yeah. Like not like that's personal. Like you just letting people walk through your front door. Like I'm not with that.
0: For sure. Sure, that's definitely most important. And so when, you, when you're working that hard at that end of the floor, then people don't mind the shots that you take.
2: Yeah, go ahead. Shoot all the shots. I don't care. And we score on too? Nah, go ahead. Do your thing. Rock out. Yeah. But on this other end, I'm going to need you to – I'm going to need that too.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then you expect from them as well to, to will let you know, like you say, you telling – you need to box out and then or telling yelling at everybody not to box out. Was there a time where you did that and there's a play where – Key possession where you're like, oh shit, I fucked up. I needed the box out. I missed the box out.
2: Yeah, I did that on, a, uh, who was we playing? We were playing, I think it was Golden State. It was a big play, too. in the, um, I think it was like game three. It was game three at our place. Gave up a, a, a free throw rebound and a clutch. And I think Clay got the, uh, they tipped it, and sure enough. Because we watched it so many times, so many times. Make sure y'all box out. Make sure y'all box out. Make sure y'all box out. And the whole game, like, yo, you got here, you got there. Like, you know, you see me in practice, like, yo. <laughs> and then, sure enough, I go, in the, I go in the crash. But in our scheme, it wasn't the crash. Is to stay here with him and wait. Sure enough, long rebound. <laughs> I'm like, damn.
0: Bruh. Trust me, those days haunt me too. There was one, the one, the third ring that I was supposed to have, um, the play still haunts me to this day. I man. I always knew we had to box out, box out, and always contest get back into the rebound. So it was the play where Chris Bosh got the rebound and hit Ray uh, in the corner. And I was under there trying to box him out. He just jumped over three of us, got the rebound. It was that play, and it was the other play that, that kills me the most, because is, is Pop, maybe he watched it over and over, and he's like, where the fuck are you going? I challenged Braun, shot one of his first threes before Ray hit it. Before I hit the three, Braun had a three. But his first yeah. his first attempt, I shot it. He missed it. And that year, we had was like we were we were trained to like leak because Timmy get the rebound outlet. So I contested and I'm kind of like trotting toward half court, and I'm like shit. He got it back again, and he hit the three after that. I was like damn. And then from that point forward, man, I was always the guy that you know you didn't box out, you didn't go in, you didn't crash, you didn't get the rebound. And that's like shit. A lot of that weight was on me. Why we lost in 2013 because we would have, if we would have just got one rebound, one box out, and stopped one of those possessions, shit, we could have had another ring. And I was in the conversation of damn near winning, you know, Finals MVP at that time, at that point. Of so, sure, course, you were shooting shit out the bar, bro. Yeah, well, that still haunts me to this day, bro. But uh, bro, man, appreciate your time, bro. You wait, up, you, you,
1: bro. you ended it on a real sad note, Danny. Can't be too. Can't just, be. Man, <laughs> you know What I'm saying. Crazy. <laughs> Could have been Father's MVP. All right,
0: goodbye. Good note. Follow up with your last good note, and we out of here.
1: No, I don't have any. I, I just wish y'all well. How about that? I'm just, I'm really just having
0: do,
2: fun man. with it. Man. I'm just having fun with
0: it. So we, we saying read, rate, subscribe, review. We doing Something all of like that. that. Appreciate your time, Swish Man. Much love, man. Um, so letting the fans get awesome. to know you. Obviously, you've done a bunch of these. Um, appreciate you jumping on our show. Uh, for those watching, please you know read, rate, subscribe, review, all that shit um, inside the green room. <laughs> Harrison will give y'all the taglines of where y'all need to do all of that. Um, There's no
1: more, no more taglines, man. I, all I know is that I was in Cleveland that year that Jr. won the NBA title. People were passed out outside because downtown Cleveland was packed. Had a chance to see Danny win it last year. It'd be cool to see y'all winning together. Yeah, so, Hope so y'all can do that. Harper's
0: supposed to be our good luck charm, man. He's always been the guy that somehow everywhere he covers the team, they end up going to the finals somehow. So he covered Yao ja when y'all went to the finals every time. He covered us in Toronto, we went to the finals, and hopefully this year he doesn't fuck it up. But <laughs> <once> again, <man. laughs>
1: well, they man. gonna have to let hey, they're gonna have to let me in the bubble. I can't I can't hold my breath in the bargain if they don't let me in the bubble. We'll so see. You want to pay for my
0: room?
2: We'll see, man. If it, if it works, I'll pay for it. You got a, you got seven day quarantine.
0: So I'll, I'll cover the room if we win. If we don't win, we got the bill, bro.
1: <laughs>
0: okay.